Hello, friends. Welcome to Extra Tomorrows, where we explore ideas, attitudes, and perspectives to make your tomorrows extra. On episode seven, my guest is Mike Grenwagen, where we talk about his experiences at Kokodunda 250, the Tahoe 200, and his experiences in self-supported adventures, mostly focusing on his multiple attempts at the double wonderland route. Enjoy. All right, Mike, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Um, I got uh, connected to you through your coach, Matt Urbanski. Yeah. And um, and uh, so he was like, yeah, you got to talk to this guy, Mike. And so um, I got to, got to get on the phone call with you for a minute and hear about some things that you've done. And then also, also of course, went on your ultra sign up and did some, did some proper ultra stalking there. <laughs> um, I, I did the same to you. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. These, uh, and it, it appears that you have done, I get, you have done, I don't know what it's called now, but you know, there was the triple crown, but then I don't know what you do when you throw a cocodone on it. They call that something too. You know what With that's the, called? The home run. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The home run. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I, yeah. The grand slam, maybe. The grand slam. Um, or the, or yeah. The grand slam. There you go. Yeah. So that was interesting. And then you turned me on to like the fact that you've done these, um, these other adventures that are even wilder than that. You know, you took a, you took some cracks at the, um, the double wonderland trail. And then, um, yeah. And then I did, you did share with me that, that interesting, uh, thing where you got lost, got lost out there on the PCT. Um, yeah. And, um, so then I started looking around at that and I was like, wow, you know, that's crazy. So I just, I started Googling the search and rescue operations for, for people on the Wonderland Trail. And apparently that one's, uh, those guys get a lot of action out there. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, the, those search and rescue teams, kind of just from that, that one experience I had, I mean, they, they are absolutely incredible. I mean, they are top-notch, experienced people that yeah i mean it's every week or you know every day during those summer months they're they're out there really kind of risking their lives to help people so definitely they're all hats off to to all of them and what they do yeah i I read your that uh post that you wrote on uh, team run run and that was oh gosh it's nightmare fuel i mean like (laughs) i mean you you were running, let's see, you got out there, you were you were getting lost and you were getting um pretty exposed and feeling that exposure and the, there was snow so it was difficult to find your way and then horror of horrors you lost your phone and could not find it which you were using as your guidance system. Yeah. And yeah. then and then pile on top of that the hallucinations you were having were around safety things. Like you thought you saw someone hiking with their dog and you're like, sweet savior, let me oh, yeah. wave, wave and use my whistle. And those people weren't there. Oh my God. That is, it, I, I can't imagine. It, it had everything. It really had every single thing that could kind of go wrong, <laughs> went wrong during it. And kind of everything that could be thrown at me was thrown at me. Mm-hmm. But it was... You know, that, you know, that was that one experience. It was, 
after my my two double wonderland attempts um but just taught me so much um not just about really overcoming you know the adversity on the trail um but really just kind of like mentally you know you know being able to take on that suffering and then just all the lessons learned on you know being safe out there and i i put it in that in that blog post of just being better you know it's at the end of the day sure it might be great to try to just escape out in the wilderness and and be away from everything but like it is about safety um you know and that's for me now carrying an emergency bivy every single run even if it's just like a, a trail run for like you know 10 15 miles or just being out there i always carry a bivy always carry a garmin inreach you know it just you can't take chances anymore um and just from that experience too, it was, it was amazing just hearing from the community that, you know, their experiences of when something has gone wrong, you know, and it's okay for these things to happen because they do happen, you know, and mm-hmm. even though that, that really deep guilt I had about, you know, search and rescue going after me, it's, you know, just kind of understanding those things happen and we just have to make sure they don't happen again, um, mm-hmm. you know, just through that very big piece of humble pie that we get out there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so, you know, just that experience and, you know, it's double wonderlands of just for the 200 mile races kind of made me feel, made me better and made me smarter and, you know, just really helped. Yeah. I, I can see, you know, if you were coming from a perspective of someone who wants to be, I like to be considerate of other people. Right. So you know, like maybe putting myself in your shoes, I would think, oh, I don't want to get these people called out there because then what could happen? Like, you know, even if only they drive to the trailhead, you know, people die in cars. So like, but then the also, the, you know, the, I could see the flip side of that too. It's like, oh no, those people get to go hike or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, there's... There was definitely that, like, and it was incredible. Like, I, I actually got to meet one of the search and rescue volunteers that was about to go after me after that. Um, he was the one that found my phone on the trail just um, coincidentally a few weeks after that and, and got to talk to him and like that experience of just talking to him. And we were just talking for 30 minutes in the rain, completely getting, you know, completely getting drenched. And we just had that moment of kind of being on the same page of let's share our stories of, of what happened out there. And we were just kind of had this incredible bond from, from that experience. So it was, it was amazing kind of getting to meet, you know, one of them too, and just kind of really thanking them for, for what they did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I looked at, um, I looked up some of the, stories there's one person who has a blog i think it's about her and her dog i don't know if her dog is in like a search and rescue dog or something but yeah uh one of the things when she goes and does these trips is she thinks about like how did this person get lost like what were the decision points like okay right here there's a trail that goes up but it's covered in snow and then there's a natural trail that goes down it's not a trail but it, you she could see where like anybody could take that take that misturn and even if the most you know 
even someone of a, the most sober mind, you know, fresh could make that wrong decision. And so it's like, yeah, you just gotta, I guess, try to be as prepared and responsible as possible. And that's all you can do. Right. I mean, that, that was it. Like it was, so a sheriff was waiting for me at, at the car who was kind of, um, or, organizing everything. And it was incredible just talking to him after, um, once I made it to my car, you know, 80 hours later of, you know, just being out there and was able to make it kind of miraculously to the car by myself. But he was about to organize the search and rescue teams that were going to go after me. And they were going to trail run in because it had been raining or snowing for several days straight. You know, there was zero visibility. So they had to send trail runners in where we're about to. And, you know, he was asking me, like, you know, how did I get out of that? And what saved me was... I got off the ridge of the Pacific Crest Trail and I went down or uh, across country into the into the valley to get away from the snow. But that is what saved me. And he said, you know, that was about where they're going to send the search and rescue teams because they figured, you know, if there was any chance of survival, it, it would be at the bottom of that valley. So it, it was incredible like that. They already had thought about that. And, um. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, that you definitely would have found me there you know, <laughs> a bit later. So, um, <laughs> it was just, yeah. I mean, they, again, it was, uh, you know, I sent a big, really heartfelt letter to them after just to that, um, that search and rescue organization. And it was incredible just getting their response back and just really being supportive. So it's a experience don't want to have again, but definitely was experienced that, you know, it, learned so much about myself and just about these, these, uh, unsupported adventures, you know, going on. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's wild. I, I went, uh, <laughs> yes, I went yesterday. I went, I went running in a place I'm not used to. And I believe it or not, just on a long 11 mile run in the woods of Tennessee, I stopped to uh, have a nature break. Yeah. And then when I, and then when I started again, I went, I went the wrong way, like oh, the no. way that I, the way away from my car, and I was like, and I started to get down there, and I was like, there were some trees that were, you know, very unique, and I was like, oh, I'm back where I was. How did I do that? And then I, so when I was there, I was like thinking about what I had in my pack. I was like, you know, you don't have a rain jacket, Scott. Like, if you had to sleep out here, I was like, all you have is electrolyte tablets and water bottle. But I was like, you probably wouldn't die, but you'd be very cold. Um, so I was like doing a little mental checklist of like, what should, you know, ideally, if you had to sleep out here, what would you have? You know, at least a blanket, at least a rain jacket, a hat, you know, that sort of thing. You so know, it's interesting. And, you can even, you can even play those experiences out in your mind as a what if when things aren't completely terrible yet. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you're talking about, you know, just your, your 10 mile or, you know, just that run, but you know, I heard the same thing from someone after that experience. And after I shared that, that blog story, someone said the same thing happened to him where um, the person he was hiking with fell off a ledge, fell off the mountain, completely down the ledge. Um, she landed on her back. And if it wasn't for the emergency bivy of keeping her warm, you know, while waiting half a day for, you know, emergency to come in. 
like, you know, that would have been it. So, you know, just from that 10 mile hike that they were doing, you know, the emergency bivvy saved their life. So yeah. like, that's the thing is like, I, for all my friends for their birthdays or whatever, I, I buy them an emergency bivvy now. <laughs> so they've nice. gotten used to it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Those are, those are helpful. <laughs> when you, uh, so when was the first time you did this? Well, first of all, when, what is it that about the, at least beyond the beauty of the Wonderland Trail, what is it that drew, drew you to doing this, wanting to do the, the double Wonderland? And then, um, it, and why the, why the double? Yeah. So the double Wonderland, I guess for, for those that, that don't know, even with the, the Wonderland is it's a 93 mile loop around Mount Rainier in Washington with, you know, 22,000 feet of gain each, each loop. And I had done it once already and it completely demolished me, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, kind of everything went wrong. It was my first, um, unsupported first solo adventure by myself, first overnight adventure by myself, just completely everything went wrong, but I was able to still finish. Um, so I knew after that, you know, really after you go from there is (laughs) you do the double, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've done it once before, and no one had done the double unsupported. Mike, I don't, I don't think everyone goes that direction. It's, what people <laughs> normally do is they they done it once. They say, "Oh, that was cool," <laughs> but like it's kind of the same from like you know the marathon to the hundred to the two hundred. I mean, you know, it's yep. kind of like seeking that next thing. And at that very much at that time, this was twenty twenty. So during COVID, you know, it was. It was kind of been, you know, for for all that happened in that year, it was really inspirational how people just kept pushing themselves to like really try to experience new things kind of through that nature of that year of kind of knowing that everything is for granted, <clears throat> which is where, you know, the, the two double Wonderland attempts and kind of out and back section J came from of kind of just being inspired by that. But yeah, I mean, going into double Wonderland, it was one of the most humbling and scary experiences because I knew I was going to fail, but like I knew that I had to fail in order to have a a chance to succeed, um, you know, in the future. So like that part was hard to really, to really grasp of like knowing that I was about to suffer for 30 plus hours and that I was going to crash it, but <laughs> guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, it really changed everything kind of going into that knowing and kind of with a head held high that, you know, of knowing that it was going to be bad. Um, and I had to kind of also just know if it was possible again, like no one had done it before and what really has, um, well, I re- really has, like spoken to me about the, I mean, alpinism, but really like all different types of sports and things out in the outdoors is, you know, the communities just keep on trying to push one step ahead of trying to, you know, take the community one step forward every time. And I just felt like it was, you know, I potentially was able to do that. And I felt like because of that, I, I had to do it. Um, 
so that was, you know, really kind of going into it. Um, you know, like just those alone was, was a huge fire and it was definitely, I mean, it, I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> like just, mm-hmm. you know, p- potentially being out there for 80 hours, um, carrying all my own food and, you know, gear. Like I didn't know exactly what gear I had to bring. I didn't have an emergency bivy. You know, I was kind of learning that, like one of the big lessons learned was just getting sleep. I was just getting five to 10 minute naps, kind of learning that I needed more for the, for the next attempt. But also like one of the biggest ones is like, you know, I, that, that night I, I woke up a nap from, you know, 10 minutes and I had started going, um, hypothermic, like my body temperature had just plummeted while I was napping. And, you know, mm-hmm. just from that one experience alone, it was learning, okay, in the future, always put on your puffy jacket, you put on your, your pants, or you sleep in an emergency bivy because, you know, you might go to take a trail nap and you feel okay, but while you're sleeping, your, your body temperature does plummet. And this happens to a lot of people during 200-mile races as well. So, it, you know, it was just that, that type of thing of the only way to learn was, was experiencing it. Um, and then just mentally, you know, it was that entire time, that first double, I was terrified of the suffering. <laughs> like it was, um, cause I knew it was going to happen. So, you know, I, I brought my, my sword and shield and I tried to fight it off the entire time and, you know, it worked, but I didn't feel anything because of that. Like, you know, the pain was kind of just jumped off, but. I also couldn't just really connect to the trail and to the nature as, as I wanted. So, you know, that, that experience too, kind of after that, I, uh, feel like my ability to, to experience pain after that has kind of just completely changed from a mindset that I'm not scared of it anymore. Just from that, that one double, you know, I've left the sword and shield in the closet ever since that, Mm-hmm. That one experience and, you know, going into the double, that, that kind of changed everything of just being ready to experience whatever happened. Tell me, so let me unpack that or make sure I understand that, I guess, is I think what you're saying is that because you were on, you're going to do battle, then you were kind of so hardened that you you didn't feel the, you know, the stings of the arrows that were being lobbed at you, but you also didn't experience the joy of the trail. And you kind of like didn't experience everything. You were just too, you're, you were on too high alert, I guess, to really feel anything. That was, that was exactly it. And I thought I had solved like all of life's riddles of, of having that sword and shield up of, you'd be like, wow, I can't experience the, you know, the, the pain and suffering, even though there, you know, it was experienced, but not to the degree of what I was really terrified of. But yeah, because of that, you know, it, it kind of tuned everything else off, um, you know, and I think that works, you know, for some people that, that might work to kind of tune everything off and kind of, um, but for me personally, it doesn't like, I need to, be able to take everything in, or at least I've found that I just do better, you know, being able to take in everything in. And that's both the, the good and the bad. And like with that, it makes the good 
for me so much better. <laughs> like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. that's why 200 miles into Cocodona, I can still, you know, laugh and smile it's because, you know, I could, I was able to fully enjoy it, but it's also why, you know, during the bad, <laughs> you, you feel the bad and that's okay. You know, it, it's part of the experience to experience every single thousands of emotions that are out there. And it's the beauty of it to me. Nice. It's uh, if we could encapsulate that to a, a hashtag, it'd be stay soft. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the opposite of David Goggins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but you know, like you know, I know people like the Goggins philosophy, like really speaks to people, and it's worked for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I respect it. You know, just yeah, and it might be the thing that gets you into your first one, but maybe not to the maybe. Uh, Maybe you could find different things if you open yourself up to those. You open up your shell a little bit. You might find some beautiful things that you would otherwise not because you're just staring at your feet and taking one more step, I guess. That's amazing, Scott. Yeah, that sounds like you've you learned that way, way long before me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try no. to learn from other people's mistakes because I'm not hard. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. That's why yesterday when I got lost, I was like, okay, let's let's take a little lessons learned here. We don't want to make this mistake again. Because I went on that trail, I was like, I don't see any footsteps. I don't think anybody's taken this trail in a long time. And I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna find my body for a while if I'm not stuck out here. See, and that's amazing. I mean that's like that's the best part of like all those you know, little adventures is like you learn from each each one, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Hey what's let me ask you this about the what you were saying. You were going in knowing that you would fail. Did you have a plan for where you might pull your parachute? You know, like so. For instance, if you're during a race, then you'd say, "Okay, maybe I could drop at the next aid station, or maybe not. Maybe that I would just have to sit here until everyone finishes the race. Or if you can go to the next aid station, they're going to give you a ride back to your car right then." Did you have some sort of plan like that for when things went south yeah i mean that's that's a that's a great question i mean that i quit three times or i quit four times during that loop and (laughs) this was not just like a quit as in you know just temporary or you know like oh maybe i'm gonna quit like i was completely done (laughs) like i mean that carrying you know three days of calories on your on the bag you know trying to run it um it was completely awful and it was during that that double wonder that first attempt where i learned that quitting is okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you know we kind of have this whole philosophy we you know in our in a lot of different cultures that quitting is bad but i learned in that loop like i quit three four times and these were epic quits, epic failures, <laughs> you know, where I was just going to try and find the ranger, you know, as if the rangers are just out and about there, <laughs> but like I was, you know, <laughs> hoping to find a ranger and, you know, ask, you know, tell him to save me or, you know, I was going to find a road and hopefully a car would go by, even though there's not really roads around the wonderland. You know, that was my plan was like, I absolutely quit. I gave up. Um, but I learned every single one, like, it's okay to quit. It's okay to give up, but eventually pick yourself up and keep going. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and some, some people might say that's not quitting or giving up, but in those moments, they very much are. Um, and it would be, you know, later during a Bigfoot 200, my first 200 miler, where it was exactly the same thing where I called my DNF. I told the volunteers I was done. And, mm-hmm. you know, an hour or two later after getting sleep, I kind of rose from the dead, but you know, it's, you know, it's like, it's kind of my thing. I always just tell friends, like, don't be afraid to, to quit and fail. Just make sure to keep going after. <laughs> yeah. It's like a very bumpy patience, I guess. Like some, <laughs> some speed bumps in there. You just have to have patience to yourself. Like, okay, let me have my moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, that's kind of the point of these experiences of like, you're going to hit rock bottom (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you know, it might be multiple times and you're going to want to, you're going to want to say you're done with everything. But like the Mm -hmm. beauty of it is like, you know, unless you have a real bad injury, like you probably can keep going. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, even though there's a lot of pain, even though you're, completely exhausted you know it's incredible what the the body and the mind is able to do if you just kind of keep keep putting one step in front of the in front of the other so um, mm-hmm. again like you know that's of course different if you you really do have a bad injury or you know medics of course pull you out of the race it's completely separate but um mm-hmm. yeah so I don't know. I hope everyone would completely always quit now because they, you know, quit every mile, but you know, it, it's a, just kind of telling them it's okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think I gain a lot. I've, you, you saw my ultra sign up. I have a lot of DNFs and it's also because like, you know, well, like for instance, there's a lot of races where I'm like, I just want to go run at a beautiful place, practice my fueling, whatever. This was canyons a few weeks ago. I want to practice my fueling, oh my and I also don't want to. Yeah. I also don't want to interrupt my training afterwards. So, like, I'm got a, I'm training for Tahoe 200. So, I'm like, you know, about 40 miles in, I was like, gosh, it is getting hot. I'm getting dizzy, and not just. I was like, I could battle my way to the end, but like, do I want to? I was like, I mean, and I'm a grown up. Like, I can do what I want. So, <laughs> so I was like, I'm at an aid station where someone's gonna immediately drive me back to my car, and then I'm gonna fuel. And then I'll be back in my training thing again. Instead of like, let's go do battle, have bomb session on the side of a mountain somewhere yeah. in in ninety degree heat for the first you know hot run of the. And of course, it was like sixty something degrees the next oh, day. But canyons um, was unreal. Of yeah, that was just how many people just. <laughs> I mean, that heat was. I've never seen so many people being taken down by that. <laughs> Yeah, and people were so sad for me that I DNF'd, and I was like, dude, I achieved all my goals. And so, yeah, I think this is like, we call this a success And where I come from. Like, I set out to do these things, I accomplished them, boom. Um, for sure. Now, that, yeah, but, that is yeah. awesome. But that makes me think, too, like, and, but I also took note. I said, okay, Scott, like, you know, I'm serious about the 200, so I was like, you got to, like, figure out what you, see how easy it was for you to quit there scott let's this because you're gonna you don't know how many different times you're gonna reach that goal of like why am i doing this and it's gonna come why am i doing this why am i out here this is so stupid why do i keep signing up for these things um and then like what are you gonna do then okay so i was like okay well i can't have the same whys because 
this to this time I had a why and then I was like, all right, I've accomplished it later. Uh, so, but this one, you know, the Tahoe 200, my family's coming out, my mom, my sisters, my nieces, it's like a, you know, my friend, Natalie, uh, my friend, Lumi, they're oh, all going to awesome. be out there and it's, it's all a community thing. And man, you know, I can't let them down. So that's, that's a pretty big one for me. And that one, that one will work for me. Oh, um, that's so, oh, you're going to do amazing. Yeah. That's so, that's so, it's so powerful to have all of that just kind of behind your back. <laughs> yeah. yeah it'll definitely like, give them fuel to make fun of me for the, for years to come <laughs> yeah i mean it's no and you're you're completely right i mean it's and like that you're actually going into tahoe with that like understanding like that you know it's it's going to be bad <laughs> like you know it's going to hurt and you know that there might be those situations where you're going to want to give up but you're going to i mean you have your incredible support around you but like just those those two hundred mile races too. I mean, just the community, um, you know, volunteers, other runners. It's it's amazing how they how they really pick you up and 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 kind of kick you on the backside to keep going sometimes when needed, which is sometimes very much needed. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw the video for that recently, and you're you're featured in it a couple times. Oh, more than a couple times, several times. <laughs> and I think one one of the things that you were talking about in it was like that was one of the things that that drew you to it is not knowing what things are going to pop up that are, you know, or I guess uh, you're like, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen or if you can do it, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. Like what I, you know, kind of doing something that you don't think you can do. Like that was what, what drove me into the beginning of the, the, the double wonderlands is, you know, once you do it, you kind of create this whole new truth about yourself of, and it's really just kind of been everything about my personal adventures, like solo adventures. It's like, well, I don't know if I could do it, but once you do, it's, you know, you now find something, found something out about yourself that you didn't know before. And then you try mm -hmm. something harder and you're then asking yourself, why exactly are you out there? <laughs> like, just keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of keeping going, uh, you said that you, you've got a, another attempt at this in you and what can you speak to to speak to that and what you have been doing differently for this one or what what do you expect to what do you expect to be different and what have you done differently to prepare for it i mean it's like going into the next one will be the fourth attempt <laughs> but like i mean that second third one each time is just learn new things and after that last one um, I've been using a the Black Diamond Distance 15 like liter bag. So mm -hmm. this next one, I'm going to have a Ultimate Direction 20 liter bag. Like just um, the fast packing. Yeah, no, uh, yep, I think it's the fast pack. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. but still, you know, still try to run it with that. But like, I just kind of learned that 15 liters. I mean, my my shoulders the the bottom of my back were completely raw for me every single time, like just from that weight of, you know, 80 hours of calories. Um, so hoping that's going to have a difference, but really kind of the, the big lesson learned. And it was something that just my coach um, at Bransky and I had kind of realized after the last one is like, we have to respect this double rounder land, like a 200 mile race where we mm -hmm. actually 
train for it, like a 200 mile race instead of just like an adventure that, you know, just launching on, on the, um, which essentially was what I was doing the last three times of just, you know, throwing myself out there and hoping something sticks. Um, Stand it. It, it was a full send every single time and a full <laughs> fail every single time. Um, so like that, you know, lesson learned. Um, but like, it was, you know, part of the humbling experience of just like knowing you have to respect that trail because it's, it's going to give you, you know, going to throw you down the entire time. And so, uh, how, what's the longest time that you spent on that, on, on that loop, on that double loop so far, the longest, you know, lapse time? 40 hours was, was the longest, um, the, the doubles or the section J out and back was 80 hours solo. So, you know, I, I do have some experience kind of being out there for that duration, um, but yeah, so 40 hours has, has kind of been, you know, just after one loop each time, I, I just, I, uh, I DNF'd, which was always hard to say after <laughs> 93 miles on the loop that that's, that's a DNF, but yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's, you know, it's the calories, it's gear, but it's just kind of mentally, at least the mental part of it. I'm, I'm feeling much more ready about going to that second loop for the next one. Mm-hmm. 40 hours. So, okay. So just under two days for one loop. Is that right? Is about. Yep. That was a really, really bad one. But yeah, that took. <laughs> that was my uh, second time, which is one of actually the one I felt the, the best, but I, uh, I learned how great it is to actually sleep on the trail <laughs> after not sleeping the first double on Um, so mm-hmm. that was a lesson learned of take less sleeps, <laughs> um, you know, just, you know, kind of keep it to 20, 30 minutes was kind of a, a sweet spot for me personally. Okay. I wonder, is that, I wonder if that's just you or cause I, or if it's in general, because, uh, I, I remember seeing like for Tahoe 200, you didn't sleep for that race, right? No, I mean, but that yeah. one only took fifty. I say only, but you know, fifty-six hours compared to Cocodona is quite a bit longer. Did you oh, sleep with Cocodona? And that was such a lesson learned of Mika and I doing Cocodona, where we like also through the two hundreds, we don't usually sleep too much or, or sleep at all, um, mm-hmm. or at least at Tahoe. And then we just kind of forgot Cocodona is 250. Like, so our sleeping strategy or no sleeping strategy of going in completely destroyed us. Um, so, you know, we were out there past 50 hours, hadn't slept yet. And, and that really was hurting us. So um, we eventually got about an hour, hour and a half of sleep by the end of it. But that, we definitely could have been way more efficient. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as sleeping strategy, I, I think, um, you know, Jason Coop or coach Jason Coop has, has been posting a lot, just, just kind of things that he's been seeing just in the, I guess kind of the, the studies where it's like an hour, hour of sleep after that, that first day is kind of the sweet spot. But, um, I would say just front of the pack runners, it's incredible seeing how different that is from, from like, mm-hmm. you know, what what Coop has been saying because they typically don't sleep 
until the second night. Um, mm-hmm. Like they would maybe get like a five, 10 minute nap. And then after that, it's just caffeine pills. Um, so that, that was what Tahoe was basically all caffeine pills the, the second or the last day. Um, but just, I see a lot of the front pack and they just kind of rely on those caffeine pills to keep them going. Oh, yeah. And I guess if you're, if they're starting to not work enough and you find yourself just slowing to a crawl, you're so tired that it doesn't matter. You're full of caffeine. You could probably take a nap. Oh, oh yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, through actually Tahoe was, it was incredible. Like, it, um, you know, I'd asked Mika who had done, you know, nine, 10 or, you know, nine, 200 miles or 10, 200 mile races at that point. I'm like, when do you sleep? And she said, you fall asleep when you lose your vision. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought like, there should probably be one or two steps before you lose your vision and you take a nap. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. I feel like that was yeah. maybe too late. But sure enough, during Tahoe, after it was like 50, 50 hours of no sleep, I, my vision went completely blurry. Um, so I immediately just hit the ground and, and just lie down for eight minutes. I couldn't sleep, but just closed my eyes for eight minutes and found mm. I reopened them, had my vision back and was able to keep going. <laughs> oh, okay. That's interesting. Cause I, I remember hearing Sean Nakamura talk about when he won Tahoe or if he didn't win, it was one of the top three and he, uh, something similar. He didn't sleep, but he did just sit there and kind of closed his eyes and just kind of took a little rest, just sat there for like three minutes or something. And then went on. It It's amazing how that helps. I mean, that's what I had to do at Cocodona. Um, like 51 hours in, um, like I was, Meek and I have been sharing a bunch of miles before that. Like I was completely done, completely off my rocker of like, cause I knew just throwing personal adventures at 60 hours. I just kind of lose all sense of reality. So I was getting scared already at 52 hours or, you know, around then of not getting sleep. So I just lied down for one minute and closed my eyes. And after that, I was good for another, um, another about nine miles of, of no sleep. So I, I really didn't actually sleep until about 60 hours in at, at Copadona. Wow. But just that, yeah, one, one minute of just lying down, closing the eyes was, was all that was needed. It was amazing just how the, the mind can just switch like that. Yeah. It's, that seems like the biggest question mark. It's uh, but I, it seems like the one that even if you get it, not even close to optimal, get the answer right about your sleep. If you do anything that it's going to be helpful. Cause there was so many people that I've read their stories and then they're like, and then I was wandering around at one mile per hour for like three hours. And I could have just slept, you know, that is absolutely it. Um, and definitely was that lesson learned of like Cocodona where we could have been way more efficient if we had just slept that second night, you know, like a, 20 minute nap um but we just you know at that point we felt okay so we just kept pushing mm-hmm. well so when are you when are you going to go for this uh this next attempt at the double wonderland uh september yep it's that's the i did that last year or actually the last year and then 
three years ago as well. So just that Labor Day weekend, just give it, give it a shot. Um, kind of the other lesson learned of just taking one extra day of vacation, giving myself one extra day of it, because that was also just kind of the thing that the, after last time where I just felt like I, you know, I had to get back by a certain time. Um, if I didn't, mm -hmm. if I was going to be out there for a double. So this next time I'm going to stay out there if I can. And whether it, it takes me five days of just eventually hiking it, if everything falls apart, I'm, I'm going to just try and stay out there and do it. And are you going for the FKT? I mean, I imagine that part of it is like, you just want to get it done for real this time. But then there's, yeah. there also like a component of like, well, these other few people have done it. Maybe I could put up a, you know, put up a time that's going to, you know, make them have to go back out there and do it again. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the beauty of it is no one's done it double and supported. So like it would be, oh, OKT, okay. it would be an OKT, um, you know, so if it, I mean, I, what's really been important for me is, and that's why I've always stopped after one loop is I've not been wanting to do it self-supported. Like it is that unsupported one. So, um, and trying to do it in a fast and light way of like running it instead of backpacking. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't end in just being, you know, a second loop where I'm hiking it. Um, cause I, I might just pull out or DNF at that point again too, but. Mm. Yeah, Hope, hoping this, you know, now that I actually respect it, <laughs> respect it as like a 200-mile yeah. distance instead of, yeah, like you said, just full send. <laughs> we'll see if that works. <laughs> so, okay, so you're doing unsupported, is that right? Yep. Which is, uh, so I think if I understand this correctly, self-supported is like if you were to stop at a store or st stay in a hotel or wherever, things that are available to everyone. Um, and then, but then unsupported is just like, you don't use any of that stuff you, but you can use a river. You can use, <laughs> fill up your you, water. You can use the river for water. Um, no food yeah. though, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, there's been one person that's done it self-supported the two loops. Um, actually he's done it three loops too, but like essentially his, his car, you know, was, was this kind of aid station. So, oh, I see. So, like, I was like, I don't think I didn't realize there was that many uh, stores out there. No, yeah, just you know, after one loop, just kind of refilling. Um, but again, you know, like that just really to me personally has never kind of spoken as much as just seeing if it could be possible without fully unsupported. So what are you gonna what are you gonna eat for all this? What all this what's all this food you're gonna carry? <laughs> uh the first two attempts, it was 80 hours of spring energy gels, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. which was 80 spring energy gels. Um, wow. The last attempt, well, I mean, it's incredible just with, you know, new technology just in fuel, like how these mm -hmm. these self-supported or these unsupported ventures kind of open up. I mean, just the ability of these gels having, you know, packing 250 calories in them now instead of just, you know, the hundred calories like they were in you know, mm -hmm. back in the day kind of changes, changes everything. Um, and <laughs> my, my kind of go-to nutrition at this top of that is, uh, they're called Bobo bars. <laughs> which, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know them? Oh, that's amazing. Oh yeah. Bobo <laughs> bars. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, I love oatmeal, so like to me they're just like candy. I love them. Oh, that is 
I mean, yeah, they're, you know, like real ingredients. Um, but like my, my favorite part of them is just, they're just so fun to say, like, (laughs) and it truly was like the, you know, I did a 75 mile run with a buddy and we were completely destroyed. But like every time we had a low, we just kept saying Bobo bars, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that brought us back. So, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, in those, like they punch, you know, they have 300 to 350 calories in them, like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, relatively, um, relatively light for, you know, what they, what they are. So it's just a nice kind of change from the gels. So yeah. Yeah. Here, here I thought was my secret weapon, but here, I guess, uh, you know, all about them still. (laughs) Well, you know, what's funny is like, I, I was working at Black Canyon and so many people were like, I'm going to eat boo boo bars the whole time. And I was was like, everybody boo boo bars, everybody boo boo bars. And then I go to REI and it was like, they got every one of them. And I was like, let's give it a shot. So I just got like one of each and I was like, oh, these are so good. And so I don't, I try not to keep them. I try not to keep them around outside of a race context or I will just, you know, man, I sure am hungry. It's like nine o'clock at night. Give me a glass of milk and a boba bar. Yeah. I mean, that was the best part. Like I, I found out about it from a buddy that it was his like kids food and then he was eating yeah. his kids like bobo bars. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah. you know, where, where'd our bobo bars go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, nice. But that, that, that's funny. So then do you, uh, what do you do with the electrolytes? Um, so use scratch mix. So there's a, mm-hmm. like a 200, um, a 200 calorie one, which has, I found has just really worked with me really well. That's their like, high oh, sorry, carb not, one sorry, not something? the, not this, um, it's the tailwind one, the tailwind 200 calorie okay. one. Um, I found the, the unflavored version, like they call it naked version or whatever that just really mm-hmm. works for me too just because you're going to be out there for several days like after a certain point you know just any flavoring can kind of get a lot mm-hmm. so that one you know just kind of talking about like you know new advancements in you know um food like just all those new advancements in those like tailwind or scratch mm-hmm. does have a high calorie one um mm-hmm. that came out with even more calories like it's it's incredible just you know, how those new advancements come out, like it just really changes the game of those big unsupported adventures. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've been really <laughs> experimenting with, uh, you can lately and it's, uh, the oh, gel yeah. is very, it's very watery. So if you, if you squirt it in, you can just swallow it without tasting it, which is, it just tastes like, I don't know. It tastes like corn a little bit, but like, you know, so it's like pineapple hinted corn. Um, and it doesn't have any so sugar it's a, in it's it. So it's like a liquid gel? Yeah, it's a liquid. It's a very liquidy gel. Yeah, it's not very viscous. It's it's like a it's like taking a shot of your beverage, but maybe a little thicker than that. But you just got to shake. You got to kind of shake it up because it's got that, that super starch stuff in it or whatever. So yeah. it's probably sitting in one of the corners or whatever. Now that, you know, taking whatever, 90 of those, that might be a... <laughs> Carry, carrying them all, especially in like, uh, I have one of those black diamond tri- or is it distance or trail packs in the back of it. It's just like everything could fly out of it if you jumped too hard, you know? Um, <laughs> and so if you had one of those things, you'd have to like bag it up into other bags. 
was going to say um, the runners would might be do that excited. Like yeah, they'll be finding all those little treats on the trail yeah. that you're leaving behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah so- you can. That's I know in the beginning. I, that's what I was using just for the um, for uh, for like in the liquids, but that's mm-hmm. not about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's I just experiment with different things. So during during canyons, I did it like every forty five minutes, and that that carried me for like eleven hours and didn't have any problems beyond what probably was heat induced. But um, I just like that everyone's trying different stuff, and the market is so competitive that it's not just anymore that you can have like some crappy huckleberry goo and be like, there you go, enjoy. Now we're oh, like yeah. actually like trying different things and like, you know, Hey, maybe you shouldn't have as much fructose. Cause that's going to have, you might have issues down the road here. So yeah, like what, well, with the, you can, I didn't like it, but it really worked well. So that was, you know what I mean? Cause, and now there's some things where it's like, it's well, like springs the, the other way. I don't, I've never had a, I've never had a, an issue with having a bad experience with spring, but they are, so delightful to eat you know what i mean it's like <laughs> they? yeah they I, taste so good yeah i wish that canned berry was more than 100 calories but that one is just like yogurt mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no i mean yeah it's, it's, they've come a long way well yeah and i mean just kind of like around the same thing with the calories too it's just kind of learning um you know to try and kind of training that gut to take in those calories too you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of been the, the big thing of um, something my coach recommended just during training is like learning to, for the gut to be able to take in 300 to 400 calories an hour, which in mm-hmm. the beginning seemed absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, it just seemed like so much, but like that is paid off so much and, you know, race the 200 mile races and, um, you know, just the big solo adventures of like, I mean, it, it really does help being having more calories in you. So mm-hmm. anything that has more calories, is just going to benefit. How do you train to run for so long? Like I looked at your Tahoe 200 performance and there wasn't, I mean, there were some walking miles in there or maybe they were just like your aid station miles, but mo- most to all the way to the end were running. And so, how, I mean, and obviously you're not doing, I mean, well, I say obviously, I better not assume anything in today's ultra world. <laughs> I would assume that you're not doing 200 mile weeks, you know, no. in your training. Um, so how do you, what, what is the, what is the general arc of the training to get you to like resist slowing down, I guess, is, would be the best way to put it maybe. I mean, it like training wise, um, I mean, really just, leading up to it, it was, you know, kind of the 300 or 30 mile Saturdays, um, where you're really kind of more focused on speed, like almost like a, a 50 K effort and then 20 miles on Sundays with a lot of vert. So getting the, the legs ready for the vert. So that kind of, I guess, performance wise was like kind of getting the body ready. But before Tahoe, it was, I was just doing these big multi-day adventures too. Um, And that was more kind of the mental part of just getting ready to suffer. Um, And that, 
that really, um, you know, I, it's probably not traditional, but that really actually helped. And just once I was out there, everything that happened at Tahoe was less than that suffering that I had done for yeah. kind of leading up to it. Um, and then the kind but of those multi-day it, adventures, were they running adventures or were you bi- fast packing or what was that like? It was running. Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually, so I was attempting a hundred mile, um, kind of out and back and out and back, like a, a three P on four mountains. Um, and it had, it was like 40,000 feet of elevation gain, <laughs> completely failed on that. But, you know, just kind of dealing with that suffering and, you know, sleeping in an emergency baby four times during it, you know, just kind of prepared the mind for Tahoe. And really once I, once I was out at Tahoe, like all the bad moments felt like nothing compared to that. So it mm-hmm. really kind of, it gave like just a kind of boost of confidence when something kind of went wrong. It was like, well, this is not that bad. Um, mm-hmm. but then like the biggest, kind of the biggest, um, lesson learned during, during Tahoe. Um, so got to connect with Mika for 70 miles who we later at Cocodona shared 180 miles together. But during Tahoe it was incredible that I learned just between aid stations, just keep going. Like instead of mm-hmm. taking a break or stopping, you know, she does not stop during those during those aid stations. And then at the aid station is where, you know, take your, your 15 minutes, your, your half an hour and, and regroup and then give it your okay. all going into the next aid station. So it, it really breaks it up. Instead of you're doing a 200 miler, you're doing a, a 15 miler as well as you can, or, you know, whatever it is between the aid stations. And that mm-hmm. just, that's how I looked at it at Tahoe. And it, it, it really, um, you know, made it, kind of from a performance wise, just that much easier to break it out like that. Mm-hmm. And those epic adventures, like, or, or even the back to back, what, how many of those did you do in like your training block leading up to Tahoe? Uh, Tahoe, it was, um, it was probably like three big adventures of like some just being out in the back country all day. Um, like mm-hmm. snowy backcountry. Uh, I did a 240 mile bike ride when I kind of got burned out from those adventures right before Tahoe, which also was mm-hmm. really helpful. Just kind of mentally kind of preparing to, you know, that took it was like 18 hours of biking or whatever. Um, just straight with like a half an hour break or so, but, um, Oh, brutal. Yeah. But like, it's amazing. Like, you know, and, it's amazing how much it translates to those 200 mile races, like those biking, um, you know, century or double or triple century rides. I find it just kind of takes the same thing, kind of same mindset. Yeah. So for in a 200, you're probably, you're probably less likely to get ran over. (laughs) (laughs) There's, it's probably a little less dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, no, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. I mean, when I, I got, a really bad stress fracture two months before my first 200 miler at Bigfoot, but I, I just biked 200 miles at 300 miles in, in a single push. And that really helped me mm-hmm. just kind of 
be prepared for for Bigfoot once it came about when I only had about five weeks of training for five weeks of, of running training to do for it. But yeah, it was amazing how mm-hmm. it just translated. And for the for the most recent two hundred, did you put those uh adventures were they kind of stacked in that last block before your taper? Is that where those mostly went? Or was it spread out all throughout the season or so Cocodona um I I knew that I just had to get rest. So like or as far as like those personal adventures, like I knew just mentally like I couldn't be like I felt like I I I knew that suffering and it's kind of still to this mm-hmm. point or kind of in the past and I just kind of threw myself out to suffer to try to learn, but going into Cocodona I didn't feel like I needed that just because I kind of understood what it took. Um so really, you know, the two months prior to Cocodona was pure training of um you know, doing those those thirty miles on, on a Saturday and then with the twenty miles on a Sunday. Okay. So you you're taking you've taken this previous experience, these epic adventure supper fests, and uh that those lessons have remained even though they're they're more there for the mental preparation rather than the fitness, I guess. Yeah. I mean that, you know, like, and even just like those kind of, you know, tweaking like things to work on gear and stuff. Like I feel like I've just had a, you know, pretty good understanding of like now what, what type of gear I need to have, you know, what, you know, what puffies work well, what, you know, pants work well, kind of have gone through all of that. So going into Cocodona, it just really felt like, all right, I just need to get my, you know, have that, have that fitness to be able to take on that distance. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing these 50 Ks on it, yeah, that when the, the, uh, I mean, 250 miles is enough, enough work as it is, much less you know, having <laughs> to do a bunch of months of like, oh goodness, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, with, um, I was going to say, I lost it. Lost my head. Let's see. Are you talking about, oh yeah, the 50Ks. With those 50Ks, are you, uh, are you like cooking on them pretty hard? Or are you actually doing any races? Or is it, you trying to get it in like six hours? Or are you hitting the road? Or is it always on trails? Or how does that work? It was always on trails, no races. Um, so what I actually do before these 200 mile races is I, I do a marathon two months prior and mm-hmm. prior to that marathon is actually three months of road training. Um, so it's yep. a road marathon I do. So yeah, I you do did Napa, of, right? Or, uh, yeah, did Napa, or Big Sur, Napa. Okay. Uh, yeah, Napa for Cocodona. Um, I did a marathon before my previous 200 miles too, two months prior. I feel like just gaining that speed you know, speed and they say like speed equals endurance. So like just gaining that speed really helped. But then after that, you know, I was completely done with kind of, you know, I needed a break from racing. Um, mm-hmm. So going into the 200 miles. So like, yeah, all those 50 Ks were just on adventure or just, you know, on trails in Washington. I made sure it was kind of like focused, like foresty trails. So I wouldn't have any distractions of wanting to look at nice nice views or whatever, just pure focused on, um, on, on, you know, the running and, and trying to get that kind of 50 K effort in, um, which, 
you know, and then the next day kind of turning around and, and getting them mountain legs. Of wow. And on that second day, is it like uh, on that 20 mile Sunday, let's say, and you're trying to get in some pretty big vert, is it all time out the window and it's just like, well, you got to get 20 miles in or is it like, or did you ever do it by time or was it mostly the 20 miles or something like that? Yeah, for me, it was, I mean, I love those days because like it was just purely like get big for, <laughs> um, you know, kind of mm -hmm. work the work the uphills. Um, so, you know, those days I was, I was getting like 8,000 feet of, of gain, um, <laughs> you know, it is kind of going wow. up and down um, mountains, but, you know, it, it was just incredible just kind of, you know, with that fatigue that you have from that, you know, that first day of just the body is just really, and it doesn't need to be, you know, 8,000 vert. I mean, you know, just having some vert though, some gain, it's just amazing how the body just adapts between those two to, to really just get stronger. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been r running? Would you say? I uh, started road running eight years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. started trail running about five years ago. Um, wow. And yeah, these 200 mile races have just really been the last two years, just kind of getting into them, um, the races wise. So it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a really awesome journey. Um, a fun journey of just kind of going through it. So. Definitely excited to to see how your Tahoe journey too. That'll be amazing to follow along. Oh man, I can't wait! Yeah, it's uh, I love learning all these lessons from people too. Like you know, you've already been through several, and you were collecting lessons from Mika and whoever else you encountered out there. Um, and then and then your coach, you know, and then your coach is collecting you know, collecting all these lessons from other people and like, uh, you know, coach Coop is collecting the stuff and we get to all benefit from that. Can you talk about your relationship with your coach and what that looks like? Are y'all doing like actual training plans or is it like more, you know, bigger picture or how's that work? Yeah, it's, so we've been working together the last five years. So, um, almost five years. So it, it really has been, and I came to him after I had done a 50 miler in my first ultra and I came to him and I'm like, man, I want to do a hundred miler race. You know, mm -hmm. I want to do this, like, you know, make it, please make it happen. And I love that he had, <laughs> um, yeah, it really was that, you know, I'd, I had been waking up in the middle of the night thinking about these hundred mile races and all, you know, one day I just said, all right, enough is enough. Did that 50 mile race to get the qualifier for the hundo and then uh, reached out to my coach, Ryan Bansky. But yeah, I mean, since then, it's it's been an amazing kind of partnership where we've had to learn about each other, like, you know, strength and weaknesses. But, you know, he sets a two week um, training in advance. So two weeks ahead, you know, and it's, you know, learned so much from him about the importance of, you know, your uphill strides and your, you know, your, your four by 30 fast tempo or whatever it is. And really just, you know, taking care of the body too. Like where I've 
really needed for him is just to have someone put the brakes on me, you know, instead of mm-hmm. just launching on these big adventures. Like he's been so good about really kind of reeling me in um, while still knowing like what my dreams are and I don't know what my goals are, you know, still, still working together to get to that. So, um, you know, each, each race or each year is, you know, we learn something new about, you know, working together and just what works kind of for each other. So it really is kind of a partnership. Yeah. It's, you know, you have to be a special person to, to be an ultra coach because they, you know, they have to, you know, take into consideration. Well, some people would say, uh, you'd say, Hey, coach, I want to do a 240 mile run or I want to do a 240 mile bike ride. And some people would say, you know, oh, you know, it'd be a good time to do that. It would be never. What is, what's wrong with you? Uh, but but he has the background. He knows what you do, and so he's got perspective. And you know, he himself is a you know an ultra runner and has accomplished some big things. And so uh, he knows what it's like. But you know, I could see just like having a a doctor who is not a running doctor, they'd be like, yeah, you can't do that. You know, if you just told them any one training run, they'd be like, no, that's not possible, first of all. And then second of all, if you did that, you would die. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, so it's important, you know. Yeah, go ahead. And, no, I mean, that's the the best part is like he personally, you know, after working all these years, he knows I have to do those adventures sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I have to get out versus, you know, maybe if I'd been working with someone that didn't quite know me. Yeah, like you said, it would be like, don't do that. That's, you know, you risk injuries. So, you know, it has been amazing. Um, you know, he does give me that leeway, but sometimes he tells me like, Hey, we need to really, we need to focus <laughs> like these last few weeks before the race or whatever. And I always, always appreciate it. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's just kind of being, being grounded when needed. Um, so yeah, it, it, it has been awesome. Yeah. There's the saying, um, who is it? Steven Seiler. He says that, you know, training is baking the cake. And then when you, you know, you race, you, uh, you eat the cake. Right. And so he says that a lot of people, I think while they're training, they're eating the cake and then you get to the race and there's no cake. And so, yeah, it's, and I, th- I think that's where the coaches help, especially folks like you who are like, I just want to run around in the mountain all day, every day. And then if I'm going to take a day off, then, well, let me see if my bike's got air in the tires. I better go to the edge of the block, the edge of town, the edge of the county. Let me guess, you know, I heard they got biscuits in the next county over and just keep riding, you know. So, yeah, those coaches are good for, like, yeah, the the the, uh, the coaches are good for reeling this back in, you know. And that's the thing. I mean, it's, yeah, like, they are kind of that, that outside outside perspective that you don't have that you can never have yourself if you're you know just trying to think of like what you need so it's amazing having having those people that kind of use their best all their all their expertise all the knowledge to really help you get to your to your goals yeah and i think too you you probably recognize this too is that your coach might recognize these amazing things that you're doing Whereas you are so into it, like maybe you're driven by the beauty of the mountains or by the fun of engaging as an animal out in the wilderness. Um, 
And so you're just like, well, I did this run. It could have been faster, whatever. And then your coach is like, are you kidding? Like you just did 50K on this trail and whatever. Like, look, you're ready. You got it. Look at this jewel you did. And sometimes we, it just passes us by because we're just thinking about the next one, right? Oh, it's, he's the, he's one of the biggest cheerleaders I have. It is, it is humbling every time of, of how much he, you know, gives that, gives that type of support. And it's amazing how, you know, it's the same in the, the 200 mile community where just everyone is so positive all the time and, you know, supporting each, each other through it. It's just amazing how, how, how much that can really help. So yeah, as a, as a coach being that cheerleader saying like, you're amazing, even though when you fail, when I completely fail, like I do for so many of my adventures, you know, it's always awesome having, having you installed to support for that for sure. Nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this uh, with everyone. I I can't wait to I'm gonna listen to this thing again and uh, <laughs> take, take, take the tips from the champ over here. Oh, and, uh, no. and also, and we're all going to follow you. Uh, I guess the best way to follow you for your your attempt would be. It seems like you're active on Instagram. And also, you'll probably post in the in the FKT page as well, right? Yeah, we'll definitely um, we'll be posting on the FKT kind of for the rules there. Um, mm-hmm. Typically on Instagram before I kind of keep it to myself, but yeah, definitely after after those adventures, kind of. Whether I fail or whether I succeed, I, I always kind of post something, which is kind of a little blurb of, of what it was like. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Scott. It was great having. Thanks for having me on. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Extra Tomorrows. Thanks again to Mike Grenwegen for his time. Mike is coached by Matt Urbanski, part of Team Run Run, who believes there is a coach for every runner. From beginners to pros, 5Ks to ultras, trails and roads, they have a coach to fit every running goal and budget. Fully individualized, never cookie cutter, they aim to provide every runner with their own personal expert on their running journey. Be accountable, achieve more, and love running! They're offering $15 off the first month of coaching to you overachievers. So go to teamrunrun.com and enter the code 15 extra tomorrows, no spaces, for $15 off your first month of coaching. You can find someone like previous guest Des Clark, who coaches for Team Run Run, or some other good fit for you at teamrunrun.com and enter the code 15 extra tomorrows for $15 off your first month. Take care, friends, and I'll see you tomorrow.